You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. When something has a lot of success, it's pretty hard to miss. Um, for us being in geek culture, we of course we love Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all the success they brought. And recently, um, starting in 2008, there's something called the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it has been quite successful with as of as of this date 27 movies and five shows on disney plus as well as a whole bunch of shows on netflix that apparently is going to go over to disney plus we can say the mcu is a well-oiled machine but is it too good has it hurt the film industry as a whole and how can we relate this to scripture well today we'll be discussing the mcu formula this episode is primarily for everyone so hey everyone welcome to systematic geekology we are the priests to the geeks. We are not really ordained ministers, but rather we mean priests in the biblical sense of being mediators. This is not some type type of trap or hidden agenda, but we are real geeks looking to explore the theological and philosophical implications in things we love. Uh, my name is Dan Stoyer. I am a physical therapist assistant by day and a podcaster by night as I am the host of Finish Last. And uh, recently, I was playing the uh, Spider-Man PS4 game because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And one of the unlockables in the game are backpacks where there's certain like tropes and fun things you can find. And two of them actually have recipes, one of them being wheat cakes and the other one being pork dumplings. And there's a YouTube channel called Binging with Babish. And he actually makes the recipes, and now I want to make them myself. So Spider-Man, not only a good video game, but one that will also help you give a couple meals throughout the week. And then we'll introduce our other co-host here. Introduce away. Hey, I am Joe. I am a broadcaster, podcaster, um, and as of late, I have been going back through all of the live-action Batman movies. We uh, just recently uh, recorded an episode comparing all of the live action Batman. So that's been a very fascinating trip down cinema lane. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. That sounds like great stuff, Joe. So let's dive right into today's subject. And I'm going to ask you the first question here, Joe. If you had to fill in the blank, here's the question. The MC formula is what? The MC formula is successful. Yep. Predictable <laughs> and overall damaging. <laughs> Explain. So you can't you can't argue the success, right? Like this is and and I have to start off by saying I'm from a generation, and Dan, you're of the same generation where we've we've experienced movies, um, we've experienced superhero movies that had no template to go off of. Sam right. Raimi didn't have an entire universe to go off of. There was no formula when those movies were being made. Same thing with the Batman movies from the '90s. There was no formula that wasn't so, and and it wasn't socially acceptable to be a geek at the sa in the same way that it is today. And so there, yes, there is a, a wonderful aspect to the fact that we can run down all of those statistics, 20 plus movies, countless TV shows, and the engine just keeps going. You can't fight the success of it all, but 
the reality is, is that you can boil down this whole thing, the entirety of the formula to a very basic formula that is very paint by numbers. It is very predictable. And the reality is, is that it created this stigma that every movie has to make so much money back or has to be this tentpole movie or things like that, where to the point it really has become damaging to the overall cinematic experience because every single um, movie has to be the new Avengers, has to top this and, and do X amount. And it's left a giant hole where quality movies used to be. You know, just because it has a certain amount of money thrown at it or a certain amount of IP thrown at it doesn't mean that it's going to be a great movie. And so I think we have to be, we have to consider the good and the bad of what has taken place because of Marvel. Definitely. I mean, there's some pros and cons. And for those of you that want like a specific formula, I did find one. So I will share what the MCU formula is according to Google anyways. So MCU formula is Marvel characters plus good actors plus good plot plus a good director plus a big budget equals the formula. So for example, with Iron Man, you had Iron Man as your Marvel character. You had Robert Downing Jr., plus the good plot of escaping the terrorist and getting a cool suit. You had the good director in John Favreau and a big budget of $140 million to make millions upon millions of dollars. And like you said, Joe, there's no denying that this has been really, really successful. And it seems like there's no end in sight. And it seems very... Um, um, what's the word? It seems very... Um, successful in some aspects but there are other times where it just feels like repetitive at times where it's just copy and paste and put in another character and boom you're you're doing good i mean there's different genres i think within the marvel movies like black panther was very unique in building wakanda and having that story shang chi i liked because it included kung fu <laughs> as part as part of the movie but overall it's kind of kind of um, hurt the film industry as a whole, I think. But as long as something's making money, they're not going to change it. I mean, I looked at all 27 movies, like the box office and everything. And I'm going to quiz you a little bit, Joe, see if you get these right or not. So uh, true or false, every movie in the MCU has made a profit. I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no. <laughs> If I were in your shoes, I would have said no too, but the the answer is actually yes. I mean, the worst one was Hulk. Apparently at a $150 million budget and only made $264 million, which still made over $100 million, which right. is really funny to think about. So, I mean, in that aspect, they're not going to they're not going to exactly change who they are or what they're doing. I mean, recently Spider-Man Huge movie. I know we were in that episode with No Way Home. That was a blast. I mean, that made over a billion dollars, but without even trying, basically. And I'll watch it again and again. But I mean, there's other things where people are now starting to say it's really formulaic with the Eternals 
as well as Shang-Chi and all these recent Black Widow and all these movies that have come out that haven't really made enough money as compared to that Spider-Man movie. So, I mean, it's just been a whirlwind and a lot of things going on as far as the industry is is going right now. Right. So I, I want to share, I found um, a formula of my own. It's a four-step process. Okay. Um, step one, make it real. So that whole idea of human grounding. Right. Step two is make it funny. Um, that's one of... <laughs> <laughs> that's that has stayed one of my chief complaints of just shoving sophomoric humor wherever they possibly can. Oh yeah. Um step 3 is make the villain a dark reflection. <laughs> Which yeah, that that goes without saying that is that stays being a thing and then step 4 extremely powerful McGovern. It's it's true. It centers around some kind of something, something that they need to find in order to progress forward the story or in order to unlock their next potential or whatever the case may be. And, you know, again, yes, successful. But when you look at this, you you can't even the most diehard of fans, I challenge you to to try and debate that this isn't actually a thing because when you have a formula that's plug and play like that, you know, that it makes money for a reason. And, you know, we, so, so other hosts of the show, Brandon and I recently did an episode on the Snyder cut and the reality is, you know, we no, we cannot sit here and be apologists for Joss Whedon's cut of Justice League. It was a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. But you look at something that is as artsy and cinematic as the Snyder cut of Justice League and how fast they wanted to get to the to the Justice League and, and get the big team up movie and all of that kind of stuff. That's squarely on the shoulders of Marvel and the way that they did it. Now, granted, DC totally misstepped in a lot of regards as far right. as how they wanted to get there and all of those kinds of things. Yes, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and play like it was they're they're free from from their mistakes because Warner Warner Brothers is allergic to making money in certain regards. But they provided a template, and unfortunately. Now everybody that's looking to make money off of uh, off of these movies now swears by this being the only template. And I think that the more that you try and play this template out, I think the more damage we're going to see to the overall cinematic experience, but also I think Marvel is going to end up cannibalizing itself with trying to keep this whole world going a lot longer than it actually has legs to go. And that's the problem, right? And, and, and that's this is a problem that far, far predates Marvel of let's milk 
If a movie's successful, let's milk it for every single dime that we could possibly get out of it. 87 Fast and Furious movies later, 15 Scream movies later, so on and so forth. Doesn't matter what genre, doesn't matter. You that This has been a problem for a very, very long time. But when you take that propensity for creating sequel after sequel after sequel and then couple it with this formulaic approach – You've got a recipe for a continual downturn in the quality of movies that are coming out and the quality of the movie going experience as a whole. You know, we're seeing that straight across. And I, I should say, if if you are looking to to which one of us is going to be in which position, I'm willing to bet that I'm probably going to be far less flattering to the the MCU as a whole out of the two of us. I, I enjoy most of their movies. I, I think that there a lot of them are overrated in, in the same way that I think that the Dark Knight trilogy is also overrated. I think that, you know, they're successful, but, you know, they are what they are. But I, I think... I think there's a lot of room to grow in the superhero genre. You know, I think with these, the, I think the idea of having different genre subgenres within the superhero genre is amazing. I love the idea of having horror themed um, superhero movies with some of these movies that are coming out soon, and and I, I love the idea of having you know these these different subsects, but that requires loosening the grasp of what is the formula and allowing for it to just breathe. And no, not every movie is designed to make a billion dollars, and that's okay. I wish that was, I wish that was the case because I love originality, and I just got a couple things to add on what you're saying. Um I think you're right. At some point, the steam has to run out. And I know I look at some TV shows and I know my wife, she's a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. I have no clue why. <laughs> but I mean, I think they I think it's in its 18th or 19th season. And once one episode, she was watching it. So I'm like, I'm going to watch one episode, see what's going on. By the end of it, I was like, so wait, what happened? And <laughs> she tells me all the background. And I'm like, how is this still a show? <laughs> right. Like, how is this still a show? And apparently the reason is people are still watching it and they still craze uh, for it. But that's why I give Downton Abbey a lot of respect. I'm a huge Downton Abbey fan. Um, I was surprised after they ended the show after six seasons, but it was the right thing to do. I mean, a lot of people wanted that show to keep going, but the way they ended it was perfect. And they made a movie, which I think was okay. And I think they're making a second movie, but hopefully it's, hopefully they put it to rest after that, but I'm all for that. And I think personally, even though it's really hard to see, I think this is going to be cyclical. And if you just look at the film industry as a whole, Whatever is popular, a lot of people like to jump on the train and eventually it fades. Um, if you look at the 60s, uh, for instance, the big thing in the 60s was musicals. So whether you have uh, the big the big two in there were West Side Story and then Sound of Music, which are still popular to this day. And 
then every other company tried to shoot off of that. And there was some website I saw. It was um, Sheet Sheet. And apparently there were some other ones called Camelot, Happiest Millionaire, Paint Your Wagon, and Dr. Doolittle, where I've heard of Dr. Doolittle, but I've never heard of the other three. And apparently those were musicals that absolutely bombed because they tried to rehash the same thing over and over again. And I think eventually this has to do that. I don't know when it's going to happen or what it's going to look like, but eventually I think we're going to cycle back to maybe this universe gets reset or maybe to the point that uh, they just take a superhero movie break for now on, because I know as a kid, I love seeing the Raimi Spider-Man movies, but there was like one every, I don't know, three, four years. They didn't like come out like once a year. And now with the MCU, it feels like we're getting four or five movies a year in addition to all these TV shows that are coming up and have already been released on Disney plus. So I don't know, man, it's a whirlwind. Muting. There we go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm taken to a show like friends, right? I'm a huge fan of friends and, um, by the end, in, in the last couple of seasons, you could really tell that it was running out of steam. And there's just a truth to that. And the, the unfortunate thing for this situation is it's based off of source material that has decades upon decades upon decades of material to draw off of. The issue is, is that you don't, you cannot get around this whole idea of these characters simply do not age in the comics. It's a yeah. comic. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and there's only so far that you can drag this out, regardless of how many stories there are to tell. There's only so far that you can drag it out. And unfortunately, you're going to end up in the same in the same boat that comic fans find themselves in because you take somebody like Batman, right? Bruce Wayne. They've tried a couple of times to replace Bruce Wayne with another character. Everybody loses their mind every single time they replace Bruce Wayne. Everybody loses their mind every single time they replace Steve Rogers or they replace Superman or so on or so forth. And, and without just straight up recasting the character, you can't square that circle and be able to tell continued stories over and over and over again. Mm. There has to become a shelf life onto it. And honestly, you know, I, I think there will continue to be a version for the foreseeable future of the movie going experience. But from my point of view, and this is coming from somebody who spent a lot, a large part of my life being an avid movie going fan. I love, I used to love going out to the theater, but now it's, it's pointless. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's no, I don't get any enjoyment of being around a whole bunch of people and, and cheering and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, when the quality continues to go down and the length of a movie continues to go up, it 
why, why am I going to waste my money mm. to sit in a movie theater when I can sit at home and watch this instead? And, and that's something that hasn't been touched on yet that I feel like needs to be addressed. Yeah. Movies should never be three hours long. There is no movie that justifies a three hour long runtime. I don't care. You cannot change my mind. So I'm not even going to invite anybody to change my mind. There's <laughs> no point in a three hour long movie. And I just got off of a live stream the other day raving about um, the Batman. I thought the Batman was the single best Batman movie that has ever been made. And that means that its story forgave the fact that it was almost three hours long. Ooh. You know, there's just no there's just no point to it. Just like there's no point in having these end credit scenes in movies that aren't Marvel. You know what I mean? But now it's like a Pavlovian response that people have. The mo- the the tri- or the uh the um end credits start and everybody sits around waiting for there to be an end credit scene because Marvel has trained people for the last decade. <laughs> that is true, just as far as the end credits because i've seen so many movie workers just look at us and i'm like why are these people still here (laughs) i gotta clean i gotta clean all this stuff for the next 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 viewing i mean it's it's true and that the runtime oh my goodness i mean i remember spider-man 3 with mcguire when that was three hours and i was super excited for the movie i almost walked out of that movie when i was 14 I think because they try to jam way too much in one movie, but the fact I almost fell asleep, it was just so long. And I think that's why people are freaking out about the new Dr. Strange movie is that I think it's going to be two and a half hours. So it's like the the new normal uh, runtime, but people are freaking out that Iron Man might be in it and it's not going to be Robert Downey Jr. Or they're going to have all these other characters and it's not going to be the actor. It's going to be somebody else. And people just aren't open to the idea of those characters being played by anybody else. And just speaking of trying to rehash this topic over and over again with the same story. I mean, I'm sorry to all the fans out there (laughs) that are out there, but I got to bring up anime. (laughs) I mean, there are some animes that need to stop. I mean, the most popular one or one of the most popular ones is Naruto. You got Naruto naruto shippuden and now you have boruto which is naruto's kids and all their all their kids they're now the main part of the show and that's been on oh that that series has been over 20 years combining those three so i mean again people are just milking this out and hopefully one of these days we get something original again because we we're we're gonna hold on to that like a piece of gold (laughs) like a piece of gold and we're not gonna let that go And somewhere, somebody is crying a foul at this conversation and saying, well, what about the Eternals? They broke away from the from the formula by by doing the Eternals. Okay, did they? (laughs) (laughs) Right. The, The issue isn't that it wasn't a part of the formula because it absolutely was. Follow that four step process and you've got the Eternals. The problem becomes that it tried to, it didn't tell a compelling story. And when the formula is the most important thing or continuing on the IP is the most important thing, rather than good, solid storytelling, that's where you start to see the downgrade in quality. I'm, I, like you, have to bring up anime with this. Mm -hmm. Dragon Ball. 
Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> yeah. It is garbage. Like it, it's it's just it's flashy, big bang, boom, like whatever, fine, it's fine. But the in from that regard, but the issue becomes that it's all about just milking this out and continuing it on and continuing on this IP. And they stop telling compelling stories. You know what I mean? And so, yes, we're, this is a little bit adjacent to the MCU, but the reality is, is that with the MCU, it only further perpetuates this whole idea of a lack of originality and a mm. lack of, storytelling and things like that like uh, when you have it shows that with these movies that just go paint by numbers that there has been a decline you know what i mean there are some ips that will forever do well yeah but even the best ips have shown that if they stop telling compelling stories that people will start to um, move away from them and things like that. I mean, we had almost a decade's worth of time in between Batman movies, and mm-hmm. it was a huge, it was a huge deal when Christopher Nolan came around because George Clooney with his bat nipples just demolished <laughs> the 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 idea of a live action Batman. So so true and. I mean, the lack of originality is really sad, but like I said earlier, people just love piggybacking off of what's popular, what's good, and then making their their own money off of it. I got to bring up Naruto again because the two main characters, um, Naruto and Sasuke, Naruto is the bubbly, happy, I can overcome all odds character, and then Sasuke is like the cool emo kid. Like he's like, yo, I'm evil, but I'm not. But then again, I am, and I got issues. And I mean, I look at recent anime, and I like sports anime. I mean, some people like that hit or miss. But two of my favorite ones, Ace of the Diamond, has two main characters for both pictures. One is bubbly, eccentric, over the top, can do anything, and the other one gives off the vibes of being an emo, laid back character. And then. Uh, Haiku, the volleyball anime that's semi-popular. Um, Hinata and Kageyama, two of the main characters. Hinata is bubbly, can do anything, bright hair. And the other one is down to earth, but like emo-ish. <laughs> so it's crazy that even across, even something that's not even a direct relation to Naruto, you can see the characters and be like, oh, that's that. <laughs> or that looks like that. So you already know what the characters are going to do even before you watch the show. So that part is just frustrating. But I think what's also frustrating is when people try to become original, either the fans don't like it or there's no effort involved. And I can't help but think of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I'm talking about the first trailers that came out for the first one when he looked like a freak show. (laughs) And you're looking at it and he's got Nikes on and I'm like, what is this? And then they remade the movie to make it look like Sonic. So I mean... That is also frustrating as well. Yeah. And I don't think you get away from having this conversation without talking about the entitlement of fans. <laughs> yep. Now track with me here. Because uh, I know, I know, I know we're all, 
We're all in this together. We're all nerds. We all like like these different things, all of this kind of stuff. Yes, I understand that. And this is a welcome place for you to geek out about your stuff. Fine, great. But fans have become entitled. Fans have, have become the monster of the situation. And the reality is, is that we're so beholden to formulas and a formulaic approach that when somebody tries to come along and do something different, the fans try and cannibalize them. The fans try and the, the fans freak out in a really major way because they think as the fan, they're entitled to something mm-hmm. rather than just stepping back and just enjoying a good series, just enjoying a good, a good story. You know what I mean? And and that kind of sounds like double talk, but the truth of the matter is we need to be, we can't be on one hand crying afoul of Marvel, doing the same thing over and over and over again, and then be so closed down at the idea of shutting or of telling new stories, of exploring different things, of approaching this from different angles and things like that. That's a catch-22. And that really needs to be a major point of reconciliation when figuring all of this stuff out, because the question becomes this, right? So if you're, if you're sitting here saying, okay, you know, you, you have all of this track record of, uh, of success, all of this kind of stuff, what now? What next? What do you do? What, how do you square this circle of it? Because it's that, but you look at the two options, right? Do you just let it, let it cool down? And then reboot, or do you recast the different the different characters, keep it going, try and tell different stories, replacing characters, all of that kind of stuff? Both of those things, that's a lose-lose proposition yeah. when you look at the fandom. Because some people will freak out <laughs> if you try and tell a multiverse story and have new people in these roles. Some people will freak out if you recast or reboot or, or all of those kinds of things like that. There is no winning when it comes to a question like that, because on either side, you have fans that make it impossible to try and thread that needle. Oh, I, that's what I hate about communities. Sometimes are the ones that are toxic to the point where they're, they believe there's no right answer. They, they believe what they say is right and what you say, no matter what you say, it's wrong. And unfortunately, I mean, as, as Christians ourselves, Joe, we see that in churches a lot, unfortunately. At least, at least I do in Wisconsin around here in that in order to be a Christian, you have to do this, this, and this. And if you do something else that we don't agree with, you're out. Or there's no way you can be a Christian. Or sometimes people create this formula of like, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm for sure going to heaven, or I'm for sure going to be considered a good person in the eyes of God. And it's so sad that people overlook the source, the true source, which is the Bible, and want to do their own agendas, whether it be for money or whether it be for power or whether it be just to feel good just so that they can be right in a conversation. And so often we focus on debates 
rather than conversations, because I think I believe that's what Jesus did on earth. He didn't want to debate anybody. He wanted to have conversations about saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is something I think that was vitally lost in our church, in our churches, especially today. Yeah, I, I think I think you're you've hit the nail on the head that when it comes to um I'll say it, modern day America. Yep. Um we've lost the ability to say, you know what? We disagree and that's okay. We don't see this eye to eye, or you you did something different than I would do it. Or that, you know what I mean? And and that's mm-hmm. okay. We've lost sight of that to the point where you have to think the way that I think. Otherwise, you are wrong. Well, no, because that's – if you change the perspective, then it's the other person's perspective. And if it's okay for you to do that, then it must be okay for them to do that. And that mm-hmm. means that you're the enemy. So that's a, that's an, uh, that's a, that's a paradox. That doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. – that is the same deal with these different fandoms, right? We've seen yeah. over the last uh, X amount of years with Star Wars, right? Star Wars has been a huge one oh, where yeah. it has it has gotten disgusting at certain points. It really has. Like it has gotten flat out and out disgusting. And, you know, I have also seen this in the comic industry where – you know, you've got people on one side that are that are fans of the comics that gatekeep for the people that, oh, you just like the movies that you're not a real fan. You're not a real comic fan, just like in Christianity, people that prefer are of a different or a specific uh, denomination or prefer a very specific um, translation of the Bible or something along those lines. They're from a very specific tradition and they gatekeep. Well, you're not actually a Christian if Mm. you don't. Well, wait a minute. The source material says something different. Look at the source material. You know what I mean? And that's, that has a much different story to be told. And so, you know, yes, to bring it back to the whole MCU thing, yes, there is a world and an appreciation to be to be had of this world that has been created and the ability to be for it to be socially acceptable and all of those kinds of things. But rather than jumping on social media to to yell into the ether about how they did this wrong and they did that wrong and I'm going to not do this and all of this kind of stuff and this is the only way realize that every person's perspective is unique and that's okay. Yeah. And the more that we forget that the worse off things get, that's just the reality of the Mm. matter. It doesn't matter if you're talking about geekdoms. It doesn't matter if you're talking about Christianity, the more that we gatekeep, the more toxic and problematic things get. Uh, Again, you hit the nail on the head, Joe. We are just hitting the nail on the head way too many times today, but sometimes it just takes taking a step back and realizing that, hey, we might disagree on things, but it's all good. It's all good as long as we respect each other. Of course, that's a big thing because I think overall, just the MCU in general, I mean, I'll probably still go to the movies. I mean, I enjoy a ton of those movies and some people don't and you know what you are welcome here you are you are just as special as someone who loves whatever else i like you don't have to be the same 
mind. And I think that's what's so great about communities like this is that we can focus on the positives, but also talk about what we disagree on and still grow together as a community. Yeah. And that's one of the, uh, you know, I know that sometimes when you talk about fandoms and you talk about toxicity, it's easy to paint everybody with the same brush. Uh, yes. And, and the reality is, is that our, our little community here that we have at SG is uh, it, it's, it blows my mind when I see, when I see everybody interact with each other and how welcoming it is and how open it is. And we don't really deal with a lot of the, the headaches and hassles that I watch other online communities deal with. This is more of a community of people that understand that not everybody is going to think exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything to, to, to be pulled away from this, it's not, you know, yes, I've, I've sat here a little bit and railed against the MCU because, like I said, no movie should ever be three hours long. And credit scenes are ridiculous. Um, but I know the next person – may absolutely love and this might be their gateway into comics and that might be their gateway into all of these different fandoms and things like that like there's there is a beautiful marrying that happens of like what you like and don't be a jerk you know what i mean and so we have to be honest about these things but also be real about the fact that there are nerds out there that are are welcoming to other people like yeah. one of the things that that blows my mind about people who gatekeep against MCU fans as if they're not actual comic book fans do you realize how much how much that did for the comic book community for all of you comic book collectors out there do you have any idea <laughs> what a shot in the arm the MCU was for the comic book industry uh, come on huge huge like we need to be okay with the fact that the medium needs to survive, even if that means that other people aren't going to like the same part of the medium that you like. <laughs> That's just the reality. And it we've is. said in time of memoriam about how cool it would be to have these characters be on the live screen, be on the big screen and all of that kind of stuff. It's still cool, even if they didn't do it exactly how you would have done it. Even if they didn't play with the toys in the way that you would have played with the toys, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. moving forward together continues the ability to be able to just like what you like and not have it be this stigma of, do I say geek? Do I say nerd? Do I do this or do I, does this make me a nerd? Does it just like what you like and don't be a jerk. Hmm. So good. So good. I mean, I mean, me personally with fans being entitled, I think we all gave a laugh and I'm going to bring it up again with not, we haven't talked about it yet, but it's the super Mario movie casting list that is coming out December. (laughs) I I see Joe laughing, but December, 2022, I cannot wait for a trailer of that because as most of you know that, no, I mean, Chris Pratt is Mario. Charlie Day is Luigi. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. So I don't know what direction that movie is going to take, but 
as far as community, like I said, you guys are welcome. And I don't know if any of you listening are attending a church. And I mean, statistically, at least in the past five years, they say the nuns are the greatest percentage in our generation now. And none not being N-U-N, but N-O-N-E, meaning that people aren't even going to church anymore because of just the division they see in churches. I mean, if I wasn't a Christian right now, I would be really confused because there's Lutherans, Catholics, Baptists, Anglicans, um, AOGers, Southern Baptists, and then you go, oh, I'm non-denominational. What does that mean? <laughs> you see all this stuff going on. So, I mean... Like I said earlier, there is a formula to be a Christian and it's not, are you good? Are you bad? It's just simple as ABC. I mean, and if you, again, if you're not a Christian, we just highly um, recommend just listening right now because God has a big plan for your life and Jesus is a big part of it. So just for being a Christian, there's three things. A, admit to God that you're a sinner repent, turning away from your sin. And there's a lot of scripture with that. And Romans 3.23 is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, B, believe. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and accept God's gift of forgiveness from sin. The big verse with that is John 3.16. If you've ever seen a football game, you see someone holding the sign between the field goal posts. And again, that verse is so great as a Christian because it's for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life in some versions. And then lastly, confess or see confess, confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I mean, there's a lot of verses with this, but in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, Now, as a child of God, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And I think just one of the things as a Christian growing up in it is that that was the foundation. And it's okay to disagree on things as long as, as, long as the foundation is essential and that foundation doesn't change. And I think also growing up in the church, I saw people that tried to gatekeep certain things in the church. They said, you can't listen to this music. You can't listen to see these type of movies. You can't read these type of books. I mean, I still remember as a kid saying, you cannot read Harry Potter. And I'm like, why? And they wouldn't really give a good reason. They just said, Oh, don't do it. And just because you may have differences amongst other Christians or other people in the community doesn't mean you hate them. It means you love them. You talk with them. You recognize what the differences are and why maybe they think that way, because who knows, maybe the reason is actually a good reason. If we just would listen and respect each other in our conversations. Yeah. And this is a, this is a prime example of what it is that we're talking about. So, Dan and I come from two different contexts. We come from two different um, backgrounds, things like that. And yeah. a lot of times you're going to hear people from different contexts and backgrounds say things that are different. Now, I'm going to follow that up with a quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, when Christians misbehave, they make an unbelie they make Christianity unbelievable to an unbelieving world. Mm. And so when, when I hear something and, and mind you, I'm, I'm not 
for for anybody who's tracking along in actual and 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 like following what we're saying here from the Christian standpoint, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that I think Dan said anything out of pocket. That's just not necessarily something that I would say in that same mm-hmm. kind in that same kind of way. That's not the same way that I would approach it. Right. But I go I go to that point to say, hey, look, we we still come under the same cross. We still like we, there's there are there are ancillary topics, and then there's the non negotiables. We're good on the non negotiables. The ancillary stuff is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I bring up those two juxtapositions to say there's a, an overwhelming idea that, oh, but you did it this way. You said this. And because that's not how I do it, that means that you're wrong. And that's incredibly prevalent in the Christian church, mm. especially in America. Yep. And the reality is, is that. There are there are tons of pathways to Jesus. There is one pathway to God. Mm-hmm. And so if if there is a way that you resonate with Jesus within the boundaries and confines of scripture and it being biblically accurate, Definitely. yada yada yada. Like there's a lot, there's a million asterisks there. But as with as long as it's within the guardrails, yeah, there's 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 not, there isn't, there's no harm, no foul. And the more that we push forward this idea of tribalism, the more unbelievable that we make Christianity. And, you know, I, I want to take a second to, to turn to, to both sides of the room here for a minute, because there's very clear, there's two very clear groupings that could be listening to this. On one hand, you have the Christians, the professing Christians. Okay. You may not have, you may have a different context than other people. You may think about things in a different kind of way. You may think, you may resonate with God in a very specific kind of way, whatever. Maybe you don't listen to certain types of music. Maybe you don't do certain things. Maybe you do certain things. I don't know. There's tons of different caveats and ways that this can make manifest. But the second that we pull back from somebody for whatever the reason, okay, we all, trust me, we're, we're both, I, I, am, I am firmly from the 90s. I am well aware of some of the toxic crap that's gone out there all in the name of defending truth. Ooh, and, yeah. you know, there's, there's a difference between truth and hate speech. Truth is not inherently hate speech, mm-hmm. but hate speech can be masqueraded as truth. Yep. And so, I, and I've seen both sides of that. We live in a time where truth is subjective and you've got to live your truth and all of this kind of stuff. And if you speak actual truth, then you are a bigot or you are an ist or you are something. But also we've seen people destroy other people all in the name of proclaiming truth. And mm-hmm. so this is nuanced. This is, this is complicated. But we need to make sure that as Christians – we are doing what we are called to do. And that's two things. Love God, love others as yourself. That's what we're called to do. Mm. That doesn't mean that we agree with everybody. Trust me, 
This is a panel of like 10 people. I, I don't agree with, with everything that I hear on this panel. I don't agree with everybody that I, that, that I do life with. But I still am called to love on them regardless. Now, to the other side of the room, to the people that don't profess Christianity, that look at this and say something to the effect of like what Dan said. I know I spent a long time. Hear me. I was one of you. I spent a long time being like, dude, the Christians can't figure it out for themselves. What in the world is like, they can't figure it out amongst each other. Then how could any of this be legit? You know, they're arguing about this, that, and the other thing and about whether or not this is the right translation and this interpretation and all this kind of stuff. And how in the world could any of it be legit? Mm. Trust me, I was one of you. And then I had my radical come to Jesus moment. It was, it had to be radical for me because I have a thick skull. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, the reality is, is that there's a lot of discourse, especially nowadays, right? Everybody can have a voice. There's no prerequisite for, for it to be a truthful voice. It's just that you need a microphone. That's it. Yeah. And the reality is, is that if we can pare down the noise and go to the source, rather than listening to a regurgitated version of what the Bible says, read what the Bible says. Mm. Learn how to read the Bible so that way you understand what you're reading. And and you take that honest pilgrimage towards, okay, let me figure this out for myself. Rather than listening to Jim Bob or my cousin or this or that or listening to this person's take and all this kind of stuff, taking it for yourself, trust me, the Bible makes a lot of extraordinary claims. I would suggest to anybody who is trying to validate even just one of them, start at the cross. Mm. Because the cross is validatable. It really is. If you're willing to look at it objectively, it is validatable. And then the second that that becomes valid, a whole lot of other things start to suddenly become way more palatable. Yeah, And it suddenly stops becoming about somebody else's faith or denomination or tradition, mm-hmm. or anything like that. Says the non-denominational guy, I want to be on the side of the Bible. I don't want to be on the side of a denomination. And I know in America, nine times out of 10, if you hear somebody say say uh, that they're non-denominational, what they're telling you is that they're a Reformed Baptist. I understand that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't care about the labels. I don't care about being a Calvinist yeah. or Arminius and Ist and Ism, any of those kinds of things. I care about being on the side of the Bible. And that is where truth is found. I think that is huge. Just having that foundation, having that cross as the foundation. Because some of you out there who aren't saved or aren't Christians would say, well, why can't I just do anything I want? Why can't I just agree with everybody? Why can't just everything be good? Well, I just bring up, and when you go to work, are there a certain set of rules or ideals you have to follow? Like, for instance, in my physical therapy, what I do, if I showed up in shorts and a tank top with sunglasses, I would be thrown out and then I'd be fired <laughs> over time because there's a standard. There's an there's a standard I have to follow in order to get the reward, which will be the compensation so I can pay my bills. Well, in Christianity, we got the same thing. We have ten the Ten Commandments. We have this example of Jesus that is the only way to true life, to 
true eternal life, which is heaven to live forever with him. And there are these rules or guidelines that Jesus set up for us to follow. And they don't hold us back. They only open us to, to new possibilities and what life should be and what life was intended to be, which I think makes all the difference in the world. And it's not designed to be easy, but the hardest things in life I've learned are worth it. And speaking of <laughs> the non-denominational there, um, I'm a big fan of Tim Hawkins, Christian comedian. He said, you're not fooling anybody with non-denominational. You're just a Baptist church with a cool website. Yeah. <laughs> some of them are, some, some of them are, but that, that one got me too. So, I mean, um, with that, uh, we'll wrap it up with you guys today. Um so, I mean, just from my perspective, my recommendation this week, and I actually am going to do a little show and tell, uh, little show and tell with Joe here um, for my birthday recently. I got the game Above and Below. It's a, it was a Kickstarter game about five years ago. Um, game that was at my library, ended up having a blast with it. So basically, it's a game where you create your own village you have a group of villagers. You try to get victory points to to win the game, and it's through seven rounds. And the best part of the game is you get to explore the caverns, and it, that's when it becomes Dungeons and Dragony type gameplay, where you have dice and, and you read the story, and it's like if you roll this, you can do this, and if you roll this, you do this, and if you fail, you lose reputation and all that good stuff. So. Uh, unfortunately, I played the game about five times. My wife has beaten me each time. So hopefully <laughs> the six times the charm for me, Joe. That's funny. Um, <laughs> so recommendations, I, I would I would recommend, um, you know, in line with the whole superhero thing and all of that um, and connected universes and everything, DC's animated movie universe. It is... Honestly, and, and, and this is my opinion, uh, pound for pound the best in, as far as a connected superhero universe. I started, <clears throat> I was reminded when watching Mask of the Phantasm, just how good their their animated stuff is and just it's, it's out of bounds. I would definitely recommend um, checking it out. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I think that's the one thing DC has gotten right are the animation, the animated series and Marvel's gotten the live action down. So maybe they should combine and make an amazing universe together, but I can dream. I can dream. Now, as far as connecting, uh, where can people find you, Joe? Um, you can find me on all of the socials as well as um, anywhere you find podcasts, at either Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road. Um, I am live on the air six out of the seven days a week. Awesome. Uh, for me, um, you can find me on all social media as a finish last podcast, um, or you can connect with me personally at my email, which is uh, finish last podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the show, uh, please go to systematicecology.org, where each host has their own page with all the episodes we are in under the host tab. And if you could, leave us a podcast uh, review. That would be awesome as well. So that others can be part of this awesome group where we are a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.
This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.